The COVID-19 pandemic has brought to the fore the importance of digital technology in mining. Now, more than ever, technology is playing a leading role in the future of mining. Hi, and thank you for joining us for this special Modernization in Mining podcast brought to you by Siemens Mineral Solutions. This week, Senior Editor Gerard Peter speaks to Tim Welwyn, Head of Siemens Mineral South Africa, and Dan Fordor, Global Head of R&D and Portfolio Development at Siemens Mineral Solutions about the future of mining. This includes unpacking the latest technology trends, remote working, cybersecurity, and how a company goes about choosing the best tech solution. Let's join the conversation. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us for today's discussion. Tim, I want to start with you and get straight into the aspect of COVID-19. How has the disruption of last year impacted the mining industry, and in particular, its view of di digital technology? I think it's been interesting to see maybe that the, the disruption that's impacted the industry over the last couple of months has really forced people to take a step that they've maybe been thinking about taking, but we're not quite ready to, we're concerned about the risk. So in a way, I think it's really been a bit of an accelerant in how companies are thinking about the benefits of digitalization. Um, and now that they've been forced into a situation where they have to adapt, they've found that some of the technologies that maybe they've been a bit wary of really do add value in their operations. Okay, and Dan, from an international point of view, do you want to weigh in on this question? Well, um, from the international point of view, um, we did notice um, in various locations some effects, but uh, I think uh, a general uh, denominator is the, the fact that we surely find more, uh, let's say, more uh, availability to be, to be heard uh, at our customers, at our partners, or the other way around, um, we should have the benefit of more time to discuss, present them the possibilities and uh, uh, the, let's say, solutions based on the state-of-the-art technologies that we uh, we have in our offering. So I think starting at the beginning of this year, uh, this uh, is one uh, fact which um, it's it's a it's a positive reality in the whole situation. I think something on that is that we've seen in, in our African client base is that people who are in remote locations also were really forced to move to more remote service in cases where they were just simply not able to mobilize people and expertise to sites. And so, um, you know, we've really seen a much wider adoption of remote service capabilities and remote connectivity into technical systems on the sites. That's a very good point. Uh, we did have uh, two experiences where uh, we had uh, remote locations where in the first part we were able to travel uh, from Germany on site, uh, but on the second uh, part uh, we made it without uh, traveling anymore from here, from Europe, and uh, the colleagues, our experts uh, on site and in the central uh, headquarters in the country, they were able to commission the machines, the, the solutions themselves. And this is another, uh, if you like, uh, of course, a challenge, but a challenge, uh, I would say, with a positive uh, ending uh, in the whole situation. Mm. Now, tell me if I could ask you, you know, COVID-19 is unprecedented. Um, and mines are slowly getting back into full operationability. 
So what short-term changes can mines make to increase their resilience to events like this? Um, so I think one of the things that companies can definitely do in the short term is really focus on developing more of that kind of, of collaborative partnership approach within their supply chains. Um, so that's not really a technology topic, but maybe it's a first step as an enabler within the ecosystem. Um, and then a second point is a lot of mines sit with what we call potentially intelligent assets. So they might have electrical systems or mechanical systems on those sites, which are capable of a lot more in terms of communication, remote diagnostics, uh, data upload into various analytical systems than what is currently being used, either because it was never seen as a priority or because customers might have been nervous about the cybersecurity impacts. Um, but there's a lot of sort of latent value there on these sites that could be accessed and connected to a broader ecosystem to enable better remote support and service of these systems. And that doesn't have to be a long-term project to achieve some value there. Mm. Dan, do you just want to weigh in on that question as well? I mean, what, what short-term changes can mines make to increase their resilience to events like COVID-19? Yeah, basically in the in the same line like Tim just mentioned, um, while of course uh, due to objective uh, conditions and environments, uh, the investment plans uh, and the amount of money uh, are still doubtful, are still uh, marked with question marks. Uh, for sure, uh, I guess short term there will be more, uh, let's say, more uh, willingness and uh, more uh, drive towards, let's call it, uh, digital ready equipment, which means uh, either uh, procure uh, new uh, new devices which are able, so to say, to communicate, to to generate data or to equip the existing equipment step-by-step step, uh, with the possibility to generate data about uh, or during their operation. Tim, I want to come back to you and let's talk about uh, this unprecedented disruption over the last six to, to eight months. Do you think that this is going to have a lasting impact on the mining industry going forward? I think there's no question about that. Uh, as much as many of the changes that organizations have made over the last months have really been purely in response to an unprecedented emergency situation, uh, there's really no going back in some sense. I think everybody talks about this concept of the new normal. and We may not know what it looks like yet, but for sure COVID-19 has forever changed the corporate landscape. Um, for example, within our organization, globally with hundreds of thousands of employees, the decision has been taken that, that we're only going to be going into the office two or three days a week going forward. And that's pretty much the way that many companies are going to move. And I think the mining industry is no different. And they're going to have to look at what are the technology changes that they're going to have to implement to enable that to work just as efficiently as the previous model, which relied heavily on having expert personnel present, often in very remote, difficult locations. Uh, so I think this is an opportunity for the mining industry to realize some significant synergies and cost savings. And I think having seen that it can work when put under pressure, uh, there's no reason to go back and certainly the industry should be looking forward as a result of this. Great. So Dan, uh, what is your take on this, particularly now when you look at Europe and, and the goings on there? I mean, there's there's a second wave of the virus coming and uh, causing countries to go back into lockdown. Do you see the same 
lasting impact on the mining industry uh, in Europe as well? Uh, actually, yes, but I would also like to put it uh, in a slightly different way. Uh, for sure, one of the things this uh, COVID situation uh, teached us uh, is uh, how it is with the whole impact, how it is if we cannot get to a site, how it is if we cannot visit a partner or how it is if an operation site cannot be evaluated locally. And I think this is a learning that everybody will take with, including the mining industry, so traditional as it is, and uh, so uh, sometimes, uh, let's say, with high inertia against novelty, but for sure uh, the benefits in having the possibility to, to have uh, the, let's say, the real-time picture of what's happening uh, in different processes, in different locations, without being uh, necessary to go there. This is a huge advantage, and this kind of advantage has been stressed by this SARS situation. So, uh, on the other hand, of course, the limits of the, let's call them, island solutions, which exist today in a lot of mining sites, uh, which uh, perform okay from a point of view, but uh, which are not integrated with each other to give a whole picture uh, of, the, uh, of the mine or of the whole company even, uh, the limits of this island technology, so to call it, uh, have been also clearly shown by the situation. Mm. Tim, coming back to you now, looking at COVID-19 again, what are some of the technology trends that have been highlighted during this time? And also, what are their benefits? So I think one of the biggest challenges that immediately came to the fore in this situation was the difficulty in mobilizing resources and expertise to sites. And uh, that was both in terms of the day-to-day -day workforce as well as you know, the kind of experts, service personnel, maintenance technicians, um, supplier, support personnel that miners rely on heavily to achieve production at the end of the day. So I think the technologies that were immediately highlighted was anything that enables uh, virtual exploration, virtual ability, let's call it, of, of skills within the industry. Um, so I think a lot of companies who had invested to some extent in a degree of automation really were able to benefit from that and I think also saw what more needs to be done to really unlock the full potential of those investments. Um, things like being able to perform maintenance in a breakdown situation, if you are subjected to a two-week quarantine, uh, you simply cannot respond quickly if you need to mobilize a technician from another country. Um, so in a case like that, the value of something like preventive and predictive maintenance technologies really becomes hugely prominent because if you know that something's going to go wrong a month in advance you can still plan for it and mobilize the resources in time to be able to to get there before the problem occurs uh, and we also saw a lot of mines and i think there was a bit of a breakdown in communications across the broader supply chain so the whole concept of operation-wide visibility being able to see across organizational silos what's happening uh, and be able to make decisions no matter where you might be in the world, based on best intelligence about what's really happening on the ground at different locations, within logistics facilities, at customer uh, demand sites, etc. Um, so the whole idea of, of virtual collaboration really comes to the fore out of that. 
Um, I think one thing that I'd say that we've seen is also this um, situation has maybe caused people to invest in a bit of a panic scenario into technologies that, that helps them move forward. Uh, and it hasn't been done in a structured way. It hasn't been done with a big picture in mind. So I think there's almost a bit of housekeeping to do going forward in terms of, okay, these are all the technologies that we now realize are important to the industry. How do we structure them and put them together so that um, those islands that Dan was referring to can be eliminated and we actually get seamless integration across the value chain, kind of vertical and horizontal integration of, of data and people and information flow across the organization. We'll continue our conversation after this short message. More and more mines and mining areas are set to optimize their operations. What just a few years ago seemed like a futuristic scenario is now reality. Behind Siemens' digital portfolio and what sets the company apart from the competition is the combination of a deep understanding of mining processing with state-of-the-art electrification, automation and digitalization technologies. Experience our expertise in digital mining and enhance your operational excellence now. Welcome back to our conversation with Tim Welwyn and Dan Fordor of Siemens Mineral Solutions. Dan, let's look at asset health analytics. How can companies ensure higher availability of assets, especially when it may be difficult to mobilize expert resources to site? That's a good question. Um, there is a lot of talking today about data, and uh, data are, uh, without discussion, very important. Uh, in my opinion, uh, collecting or even showing data is not the main added value of the so-called uh, digital solutions. Um, the main, uh, the main advantage is the possibility to have intuitive information in the right timing based on the collected data. And it's here when we get uh, slowly but surely to the answer to your question, um, because uh, being able in an early phase to see that something goes out of normal, be it a parameter, be it uh, several parameters or whatever, to have an early information that something drifts away from normal, is of crucial importance and um, basically the solutions uh, which are able to translate this uh, information into a fast uh, explanation about the root causes leading to that drift from away from normal and then leading to recommendations for counter actions these are the solutions which uh, uh, have been proven also in the last months uh, in this special situation have been proven that they they awake a serious interest at our partners, at our customers. And this is exactly one of the solution, uh, one of the chapters where the asset health analytics uh, solution is, uh, is uh, really, really at home. And uh, of course, um, now we can uh, think about there is a very strong trend uh, towards uh, IIoT, so the cloud-based solutions, which is for sure um, uh, belonging to uh, one of the main pillars in the future technologies. 
However, in my opinion, we should not forget that uh, there is a lot of preference in the mining market uh, also for local, for on-premise solutions um, or for solutions which do communicate remote, but not over cloud, but over, let's call them traditional connections like CRSP and so on. And uh, I think these solutions uh, are also very well placed uh, depending on the on the country location and in the end the preference of the operator. And that's why um, it's, uh, in our opinion, is the best if uh, we can serve both preferences, if we can satisfy both expectations regarding the cloud-based solutions as well as the edge or local or on-premise solutions. Great stuff. Um, Tim, I, I want to come back to you now. There's a lot of talk about artificial intelligence, about the potential of it and machine learning. But firstly, do mining companies understand the concept of artificial intelligence? And secondly, what are the benefits and the pitfalls? I think you raise a really good point there, and, and maybe it's not only specific to artificial intelligence and machine learning, but a lot of these buzzwords really do kind of jump into the public consciousness through media hype and through a lot of you know discussions of people here in thought leadership spaces, conferences, etc. Everybody thinks I better be doing something with IoT, I better be doing something with artificial intelligence. And I think sometimes that sort of enthusiasm gets ahead of really analyzing what is the right tool for any particular application. And what we've seen with some of the work that we're doing in utilizing machine learning and artificial intelligence, especially in the predictive maintenance space, is that this is no silver bullet. It's not the right solution to every problem. There's undoubtedly some very hard problems that we can solve using this kind of approach. But there are other problems that are maybe not best suited to it. And one of the big challenges is the amount of effort that has to go into processing the data, categorizing data, formatting data in a way that can actually be used to gain insights out of these kind of data analytics, big data approaches. Uh, and a lot of companies are expecting miracle results whereby they'll come and plug a black box into their machine and it will analyze things for a couple of days, figure out exactly what's going on and solve all of their problems. And that's just not going to work. Um, so for example, we've seen, to take an example out of another industry, in the oil and gas space, very good results by analyzing uh, ESP pumps, submersible pumps in oil and gas wells. Uh, but that only works because large oil fields typically have hundreds or even thousands of these wells. Uh, and so there's a huge set of data available. And from that, we're able to do some very precise analytics and get really almost down to the day uh, predictions on when a failure is going to happen. So for sure, certain parts of the mining world are also amenable to that kind of analysis, where there are big data sets and there's lots of repetitive type tasks. Uh, but also most mines have one or two key pieces of equipment, for example, a main SAGMO or something like that, uh, where the data set is often just too small to really get full value from uh, applying this kind of analysis. Uh, so what we rather focus on is have the right technical solution for the right problem rather than chasing the, the buzzword of the day. Um, and that's why Dan also alluded to IIoT is great technology. Um, Cloud-based systems are already fantastic to open access to analytics and so on to a lot of sites that previously didn't have it. 
but at the same time, uh, we're able to approach the same problem from different angles, depending on the level of maturity of the customer, of the infrastructure in the area where they operate, uh, and come up with solutions which are fit for purpose. So I think going back to you know this rush to adopt a lot of technologies that maybe were prompted by COVID-19, uh, we've also seen a lot of companies approaching things in a fairly unstructured way and just diving in, um, investing in small islands of technology that solve a particular burning problem right now. Um, and I think one of the things that's going to have to be done is a bit of a step back and, and a broader, bigger picture analysis of what is the end goal here really um, and how do we get step by step in a structured way towards that end goal. Um, so also maybe an interesting thing that we've started doing is to go one step beyond looking at the assets. So a customer is not really in business to keep a pump running or to keep a truck running. At the end of the day, he's in business to produce ore and to get production through the mine. Yeah. Uh, and so we're really starting to look at how do these technologies enable us to offer different business models to clients? And how can you, for example, guarantee availability or offer talk as a service, for example? Mm. Um, so moving away from the typical capital asset procurement type of approach and really looking into performance-based contracts, efficiency-based contracts, availability models, and uh, ultimately power as a service, that kind of thing. Hmm. Dan, do you agree with Tim? I mean, has the mining industry, because of COVID-19, uh, you know, implementing various technological solutions, has somewhat become somewhat like a Black Friday sale, uh, where people are, you know, companies are just jumping at the chance to implement various technologies without actually th thinking them properly through? While uh, state-of-the-art technologies like um, like machine learning or artificial intelligence, on one hand, uh, are not only uh, very fancy or fashioned, but they are really very powerful. Uh, on the other hand, um, this shouldn't uh, mean that this is a medicine against all uh, odds and uh, it should be properly selected for which application, which kind of technology is most uh, suitable. And uh, I refer with this not only uh, at the results, but also at the way to get at the results because it's known uh, for an artificial intelligence application, just to give an example, a significant uh, part of the effort, this is above three quarters, more than 75% of the effort goes into the data preparation to teach the respective AI application. And uh, with this, uh, the data preparation, it's usually uh, also not uh, not a self-runner, which means the more the operational situation is captured in uh, in the data, the better the better the the let's say the results. This means that, uh, for example, in order to completely let's say, capture and teach the operational life, so to say, of an asset, of a machine, of an application, you definitely have to collect also information, data about uh, failures. 
And coming back to what uh, Tim just mentioned, given the fact that we deal in our solution uh, quite frequently with the so-called mission-critical applications in a mind like, uh, let's say, a seg mill or even uh, an overland conveyor machines, which if stay, the production stays. Uh, given this fact, uh, to uh, to capture failures of these machines can be uh, can be uh, at least a long. Uh, uh, term uh, enterprise and therefore uh, yes the state-of-the-art technologies in my opinion they will find their place in the mining industry step by step uh, in which place at which location and for which level of uh, solution this has to be uh, carefully uh, evaluated Great stuff. so so leading from that term what technologies are available to assist companies to improve performance across the entire operation? So I think that's an interesting area of, of sort of differentiation when you talk about big data. On the one hand, you talk about an asset and you drill really deep into incredibly fine nuanced collection of very specific data to try and get a predictive uh, outcome from it. And then when you look at the much broader organization, you start thinking about, okay, how do we use the vast amounts of data that are coming from all of our different operations, from our clients, from the market, um, you know, even things like perhaps climate data starting to feed into different models of how best to operate the assets of an organization. And that requires big data, but in, in a quite different sense, that you want to aggregate data from a huge number of sources, and you want to be able to use that data to develop insights that help the decision-making at the managerial level within these companies. So you start looking at things like your manufacturing operations, management systems, management intelligence, uh, and, and how do you consolidate data, weed out the data which is maybe you know not relevant to a particular decision and make sure that you have the right KPIs in front of people at the right time. Uh, and so that's also a topic of firstly having the data in as close to real time as possible so that you can make decisions when they need to be made, uh, but also not overloading people who ultimately have to apply human experience and intelligence to use that data to make the right decision. Um, so a lot of this needs to focus on solutions which can acquire data in different formats from different source systems using different protocols, uh, put it together into some kind of central data lake and then process it in a way that gives it context and makes it meaningful to decision makers. Uh, so you see a lot of talk here about uh, terms like short interval control and um, management uh, operations intelligence systems, these kind of things. Uh, and all of them really have that same goal of reducing the time from the deviation from the plan to the time when you can make a, the right decision to respond to that deviation and bring the plan back into play and bring things back on track. And so it's quite a broad range of individual solutions across different areas. And typically, uh, we see a lot of siloed solutions in organizations. Mm. So there might be a blast management system and a haulage system and a fleet management system. And somewhere else is a personnel time and attendance system. And you've got RP somewhere. And all of these things are working with different time horizons, working with different levels of quality of data, um, working with different frequencies of reporting. Um, so it, it's quite a complex task to actually contextualize all of that information in the right way. 
Uh, and it's it's a long-term project. I think you know, so there are some quick wins to be had, yeah. uh, but there's also an aspect of, of planning for a future scenario and then taking quite a few steps back and looking at which of our siloed systems can we use, which can we build on so we don't have to replace and reinvest, and where do we maybe get more bang for our buck in early stages by taking a preparatory step. Maybe it's investing in better network technology around a site, Maybe it's investing in more of a cloud-based infrastructure for certain systems, whatever it might be. Um, but there's there's a lot of different moving parts to this because inherently, if these systems are going to work, they're going to touch on multiple operational areas. So you're also now getting to a point where it's no longer a simple OT topic, narrowly focused within the engineering discipline, yeah. but it really spans across finance, HR, IT, OT, your engineering teams, operations, management, and more and more also external third parties like your contract miners and, and these kind of guys. And everybody needs to tap into that central backbone of intelligence to be able to run the operation effectively. Mm. Great. Now, you know, Tim, you mentioned the various various aspects of, um, of, of a company's operations. And this brings me to the point of cybersecurity. Uh, Dan, when it comes to cybersecurity, firstly, are companies taking this seriously? And secondly, how can operators that rely so heavily on in interconnected information systems protect themselves from cybersecurity threats? There is, uh, there is a serious risk behind that uh, or in not doing that. Uh, of course, this is a lot of effort for the manufacturer or developer of the one or the other solution, but um, it is a necessity. I Now and then I take uh, the comparison with the human society today and something like, I don't know how many hundred years ago, the governance and uh, regulations in the society a while ago, uh, centuries ago, was different from uh, the ones that we have today. And this is somehow with uh, this whole, let's say, evolution of automation and automatization towards digitalization, towards uh, uh, industry 4.0 and so on. We are basically building another world, a virtual one. And this new world has to be uh, has to be uh, accurately structured and also has to be accurately uh, prevented or secured against evil. And uh, this is all about it with the cyber security. Um, there is, uh, there is uh, I repeat it, uh, a lot of effort in the activities on the supplier, solution supplier side for the mining industry to secure that this uh, cyber security is uh, is, has the chance, first of all, to be properly implemented, executed. On the other hand, and with this I come to the answer to your second question, in my opinion, it is also the responsibility of the supplier of the solution, for example, to explain and to, uh, to document to the user of the solution how, why, and in which way the cybersecurity uh, measures for the solution he is going to use 
have to be implemented or executed. So uh, it's an important topic, no way to go around it. Uh, what can happen if, uh, if the one or, or the other, uh, let's say, uh, flanks remain open? Uh, we have, unfortunately, um, a lot of examples and we have to avoid to become such an example someday. Tim, I want to pose the same question to you. In the South African context, is cybersecurity being taken seriously? Um, and and how can mining operators protect themselves from these cyber attacks? I think it is being taken seriously. Um, we've had some fairly high profile cases of major cyber attacks in other industries mm -hmm. in the recent past year. So I think that really has brought home that this is not some kind of nation state security topic. It's really a corporate topic where companies are being targeted for very specific reasons and, and there is a lot of risk out there. So without a doubt, it's been taken seriously. I think there is still a little bit of a, an element of an old school Great Wall of China approach to security in a lot of companies that I've seen where, okay, we maintain an air gap between our plant and everything else and nobody can get in and we'll be safe. Um, and two things about that. The first is it means that you will automatically sacrifice a lot of the benefits that are enabled by this new digital revolution that we're going through. Um, and secondly, it, it's not necessarily a foolproof solution in any case, because we focus on the whole concept of defense in depth. And that means not only that your technology systems have to be built and designed in such a way that they are, are secure, but also you need to train people you need to give them the tools, you need to give them the awareness of the types of risks that they face. You need to build physical security barriers, security barriers, but at the end of the day, it's really a personal topic. The vast majority of all attacks that we see are coming from phishing scams, from social engineering attacks that are very targeted to specific employees within an organization. So the best defense often is to build resilience into the organization by training people and helping them to be aware of these kind of risks. So that's something that I think is only really starting to be fully appreciated and taken into planning at the highest level by a lot of South African companies now in the recent past. Join this enlightening conversation after this short break. Artificial intelligence, the industrial internet of things, asset health analytics, cybersecurity, automated mining, big data, now more than ever, mining executives have to adapt to a constant stream of new technology trends to stay current. The journey to the mine of the future requires vision, commitment, and the support of strong, reliable partners. With more than 100 years of real-world mining experience and deep expertise in the latest digital trends, Siemens Mineral Solutions is your guide through every phase of the digital transformation of your mine. Welcome back to our conversation with Tim Welwyn and Dan Fordor of Siemens Mineral Solutions. As you mentioned earlier, buzzwords. Uh, another buzz term is digital mine. Tim, I want to start with you on this. You know, there's a lot of talk about this, but what does it actually mean in reality? I think, yeah, there's definitely this kind of vision of a golden city on the hill, which is a digital mine um, that the industry is striving for. And I think the more we play with the concept and what it means and how you get there, what we're discovering is that it's an ongoing process more than it is a specific destination. I think it's a, it's an ongoing uh, 
um, way of making companies more open to digitalization, more digitally fit uh, is the term that we use, um, so that they are in a position to capitalize on technologies that can add value to their operation. Um, so it's great if you have the opportunity to plan a new mine from the ground up. Um, there are really amazing things that can be done in the space of integrated engineering to build a complete virtual model of that mine and have a digital twin in place almost before you start groundwork on that mm -hmm. site. Um, so that you know how that mine is going to perform before you've built it. You can commission it, you can train people before you ever start operating a facility. Uh, you can keep it continuously up to date and you can keep playing what if scenarios and optimizing. That's really you know the, the great goal that a lot of mines have. But in South Africa in particular, we have a very old mining industry. We have a lot of brownfield sites. Um, and so that approach is simply not open and available to the vast majority of our industry. So for them, the digital mine has to be much more about how do we reduce capital expenditure? How do we use the information about the systems we already have to do more them? What sort of efficiencies can be gained by digitalizing much the mine itself, but uh, the people, the workforce that operate that mine, giving them the systems and tools to collaborate in real time so that they can make the right decisions, um, so that they can kind of act as a coherent brain, put it that way that enables them to, to get that much more out of the business. So uh, in either case, the greenfield or the brownfield scenario, as far as possible, I think the goal is to have one source of truth uh, so that you have a single integrated system environment that tells you what is the status of my asset and how do I get the most out of it going forward. Uh, but the way you get there is slightly different in different cases. Okay. Um, Dan, can you give us examples of, of digital mines and uh, successful ones at that? There are different, uh, as you mentioned, digital mine is another uh, another keyword or buzzword uh, today. So uh, there are different understandings uh, behind that. Uh, I could give you examples. Uh, I allow also myself the statement that there are mining companies, powerful players in mining, who embraced this, uh, this uh, let's say, uh, uh, strategy because the digital mine to go towards a digital mine and to implement a digital mine is, in my opinion, a journey. It can take, and it takes years, uh, it assumes, of course, uh, the proper partnership. It assumes the proper uh, strategy, own strategy, uh, with uh, all the operative facts and um, uh, means related to that. And it assumes also the at least the adaptation, if not the change of the own way of operation. Only by doing that can the respective company uh, have all the benefits following uh, based on the digital mine implementation concept. So uh, having said that, uh, there are examples today and uh, there step by step, this is also a, a process. There is more and more interest and uh, and also operative action into that. And uh, in my opinion, uh, of course, I fully respect the the reluctancy of the mining industry to to the new technologies. Uh, 
but um, it's a clear fact that those who wake up early, so to say, it's like with the proverb, with the early bird who catches the worm, uh, those who embrace uh, uh, even gradually uh, this technology, they will for sure have advantages uh, and uh, competitive uh, uh, weapons against the others. And this is uh, this uh, leads in the end uh, to the respective positioning in the market. And therefore, this topic should be should be uh, let's say assessed uh, accurately and uh, hopefully positively planned for implementation by as many uh, as more as many mining companies as possible mm. um tim da dan's mentioned again you know uh, this reluctance to change you've mentioned that the south african mining industry is a pretty old industry but let's look at africa as a whole uh always play catch up with the rest of the world. What can African miners learn from other regions or industries when it comes to digitalization, automation, and all these types of technologies? I think maybe up front it's important to say that just as much other regions might be able to learn from some of the challenges true. that African miners overcome. I think uh, you know, the, the African environment has to a certain extent fostered this leapfrog mentality. You can see it in things like the telecoms industry, the financial industry where the lack of infrastructure becomes the basis for big leaps forward that, that only later to catch on elsewhere in the world. So it's definitely a two-way process, but I think one of the key things is a move away from the conservative kind of mindset that a lot of operations have taken in Africa, that they have to be fully self-sufficient because of their remote location, mm -hmm. that they can't take any technical risks because they might believe the workforce that they work with is not able to handle the higher level of technology or that it poses a risk to them that they might then need to rely on you know, scarce skills from other regions to come in and support them. And I think more and more there's an awareness that some of those advanced technologies are not so much an inhibiting factor for the local workforces as an enabling one. Uh, by providing advanced systems that do a lot of um, you know, automated diagnostics and providing a lot of information to operators who maybe are less experienced than they might be in more mature markets. Um, these miners are starting to come to the realization that these technologies can actually help them uh, rather than increase the risk they can mitigate this by adopting technology. Um, and I think that's something that, that the African mining community is very quickly moving to, to adopt. Right. Um, Dan, if I could just, just ask you, what future technology trends do you see coming to the fore in the next few years? That's a good question. Um, I guess there will be more and more availability for the cloud-based solutions. I can, however, not uh, estimate about, the, let's say, the dynamic of this, uh, this process. And for sure, the, the advantages based on data with a whole range of, uh, of activities related to that uh, and of feature related to that, like making smart data, smart data out of big data, evaluating data, assessing data, uh, displaying uh, uh, information in an intuitive way uh, so that uh, this can lead to a faster 
action and so on. Uh, this will for sure get more and more fingerprint in the mining industry because this contributes on one hand um, to a major factor in the mining uh, since ever to the safety in the mines because this way the let's say the evolving failures uh, can be seen and can be foreseen and on the other hand of course this is uh, tightly related to the productivity or to to say it in clear words to keeping the production according to the plan or to say it in other words to avoid the unplanned uh, steel stands so uh, now in which way uh, this uh, the solutions uh, the applications based on this uh, technology are called uh, this is of course uh, quite uh, a quite wide range but i'm sure this will have more and more impact even short term because uh, this uh, this data-based technology and uh, let's say the the digital services attached to that they bring huge advantages for the operations. So finally, Tim, with so many diverse but interrelated technologies out there, how should operators go about prioritizing their digital investments? I think we see it as needing to move more from a bottom-up to a top-down approach to digitalization, at least in a big picture sense. Uh, so a lot of the innovations that have made their way into various operations that we've seen around Africa tend to be driven by a champion of a particular solution or a particular problem that needed to be solved. Um, and it's very much something along the lines of organization follows strategy. Um, organization includes the technology that the organization is going to use. Um, so we really try and walk people through a process of first understand what is going to be your competitive differentiator or strategic objective. Then we look at, okay, what technology will enable that and what would your ideal state be? Uh, but then very importantly, we really work that back through the organization and start looking at assessing the maturity of the organization to be able to make the transformation because this is every bit as much of a human process as it is a technology process. So a lot of change management needs to happen. A lot of preparation needs to be in place to get people to move forward. So for us, it's really important that customers take that big picture view, come up with their ideal future state, and then start working backwards, do a gap analysis, and really start breaking that huge unobtainable goal down into smaller chunks that can be approached in a stepwise manner so that they've got a consistent roadmap of individually achievable projects. And those projects can then be taken on you know, with the confidence that one by one they are all leading us towards a certain end goal that we all agree we should try to get to. Wow, thank you, gentlemen. Both Tim and Dan, thank you so much for your time today and joining us on the special Modernization in Mining podcast series. Tim Mullen, Head of Siemens Mineral Solutions South Africa, and Dan Fordo, Global Head of R&D and Portfolio Developer for Siemens Minerals. Thank you so much for joining us on the special Modernization in Mining podcast. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for listening to our Modernization in Mining podcast, brought to you by Siemens Mineral Solutions. Please be sure to rate and share this podcast with your social network. Remember, you can access our podcasts on all popular platforms on your smartphone and PC. Also, check out miningreview.com for the latest news, features, webinars, 
and mining analysis. Until next time, stay safe.